Welcome to our Through the Bible study here on Bible In-Depth Network with Alex. In our study, we look at the context of Scripture and how it applies to our daily lives. We also believe that there's no limitation to the revelation of the Word God. Let's study together today. Yes, praise be to God. I hope you're safe. I hope the Lord has kept you safe and sound. This is a day the Lord has met. We shall rejoice and we shall be glad in it. Thank you for joining us for our time for the study of the Word of God. And uh, here we study the Bible. We aim to study from the book of Genesis Revelation. By the grace of God, we've covered the Old Testament. And right now, we are handling the New Testament. We are on the book of Matthew. We've done 13 chapters. Today, I want us to continue with chapter 14 of our book of Matthew in our study. And uh, it starts by saying, at that time, Herod the Tetrarch had the news about Jesus and said to his servants, This is John the Baptist. He has risen from the dead, and that is why miraculous powers are at work in him. First of all, we need to understand that Herod the Great died in 4 BC. That is the year 4 BC. And uh, the Romans divided his territory between his surviving sons. And that was Archelaus. Then you also had Herod Antipas. And then you had Philip. Now, Archelaus was assigned Judea. But he was so cruel that uh, not after a very long time, they deposed him, and his territory now was governed by a succession of Roman uh, leaders who they brought on, all those known as procurators. And Herod Antipas received the territories of Samaria, of course, because his mother was a, a Samaritan. Then Galilee and Perea, those were given to Antipas, but Antipas was never given the title king, uh, but was always referred to as Herod the Tetrarch. And uh, this is uh, Herod Antipas being talked about here, who had John arrested. And uh, the reason was clear that he criticized him publicly for his immorality, and he entered into a marriage, as we shall read forward, moving forward, uh, of convenience with a Nabatian princess, who he decided to divorce later on to go ahead and marry his brother's wife, Herodias. And that is where trouble starts to breed in. Because he says to his servants as Herod, knowing this, that this is John the Baptist. He's hearing about Jesus. He's hearing about the things Jesus is doing. He's hearing about the movement, about the revival in the land where he's leading. He's hearing about a man with so much authority that even the leaders, the Pharisees, are in trouble with him. They do not want him there. They want him out. Yeah, And he says, I think John the Baptist has risen from the dead. And that is why the miraculous powers are at work in him. I think this gives us some level of understanding of how John the Baptist used to function. When Herod sees Jesus and the way he is functioning and what they're telling him about what Jesus is doing, 
He just gets the image of John the Baptist. I think this tries to help us understand that it's probable that John the Baptist also walked in greatness. Of course, we know a man who led a revival in the wilderness that brought thousands and thousands of people to come and worship and repent of their sins. And this is a man being talked about here, that the miraculous powers that are in him are probably those also that were seen in some cases with John the Baptist because they wouldn't create reference or uh, a connection between Jesus and John if what they did was not quite similar. Jesus led a great movement. John led a great movement. Jesus hailed the sick. John could and must have been part of that because he also healed the sick. He was called the, the, the real prophet, a true prophet, a prophet in the land of Israel. And prophets had all that power. We've read about the power that prophets had from Elijah to Elisha and the great things that they used to do. And these all are referenced to John the Baptist as well. So he was not a small man. No, he was a great man. He was a man of influence. He was a man of his time. He ushered in the salvation power. He ushered in Jesus who brings the salvation that you and I enjoy today. Even if some might take it for granted, but that is the power, the saving power of Christ that we enjoy today. That's why we live. That's why we move. That's why we have our being. That's why we are able to walk out every day in confidence and overcome because of that saving power that was ushered in by John. So he was a great man. And here Herod is saying, I think he's risen from the dead. I think he's back. He looks like he's tormented by that. He says, I think this man is back. For when Herod had arrested John, he bound him and put him in prison because of Herodias, the wife of his brother, Philip. This one we've talked about. Yeah, For John had been saying to him, it is not lawful for you to have her. He, John the Baptist kept telling Herod, you cannot have your brother's wife. It's not lawful. As far as the law of Moses is concerned, where we are, of which you also subscribe, that is not acceptable. You cannot have your brother's wife. And Herod wanted to put him to death, but he feared the crowd because they regarded John as a prophet. That's what we've talked about. He always wanted to kill him, but he could not because people regarded him as a prophet. The way that you're regarded by people can have an effect on how you're going to be treated. The way that you're regarded by people can have an effect of how your life is going to be determined. The reason that John the Baptist cannot be killed or put to death by Herod at that time is because he knew that the crowd would get into roars if he touched him because they knew this is a prophet. How do people know you? How do people understand your position? Can your people stand for you? Can they come and say, we, we normally say, I'll put my hand there for you to be chopped off, if that's true. Can people come out and put their hand down for you and say, we trust this man, you cannot touch him. And this is the position in which John was, that John was loved. John was regarded a prophet by the people of Israel that nobody could just come and touch him. They could not kill him. The best they could do was arrest him, but they could not claim his life. And I pray that God gives us that favor 
that God gives us that favor before men, that we are always people that can get out and be stood up for, that our character is quite clear and is quite shaped that we can be stood out for. And that is what happens for John, regarded as a prophet, regarded as a man of God, regarded to them that this is our leader. And when Herod's birthday came, the daughter of Herodias danced before them and pleased Herod so much that he promised with an oath to give her whatever she asked. Now, it's Herod's birthday. These are days that they held with so much pomp and uh, so much celebration in their land at that time. And they would invite kings, they would invite princes, they would invite people from afar. People would come from as far as Egypt and they've come to celebrate the birthday of a great man. And now, this is the day that we are reading about here that has come. And Herod is celebrating his birthday. And the daughter of Herodias, Herodias, remember, is the, uh, the, the, this woman that Herod decided to marry, the, the, that he takes from the um, brother, yeah, Philip, who we read about. So Herodias has a daughter. This daughter is not, um, she, Herodias comes with this girl, yeah, the daughter, into this marriage. So this is not actually a, a child of Herod, yeah, or, but Herodias comes with her into this new marriage with Herod from the previous marriage that she had. And now we are told that this girl danced before them and pleased them. Now we need to try and create a picture of this sort of event. With the nature of event we are talking about and with the guests that they have, they provide professional dancers. They provide people to come and entertain the people on the function, the people that come to do the entertainment are not mediocres in, in, in performance. These are great performers. So, the picture we get of the daughter of Herodias may not necessarily imply that she was a young girl, that she's a, a young girl, because we're just told, daughter of Herodias, daughter of Herodias can imply that she was 10, that she was 15, that she was 18, whatever the age was. But with the nature of performances that were brought up for that day to be presented to the guests that you've brought in from afar, it had to be something that is good. So it is clear that this girl must have known how to dance, must have been a great performer, and she presented this. When you read, try to get into history, reading, uh, she's known as Salome. And uh, she is the daughter of Herodias. And you can go and read about her. There is a lot of information that is given to us concerning this girl and what she was, what she used to do. And her death is actually talked about as well. I, I might share it as we go on today. And we are told that she danced before them and pleased them. Still reading through... Um, the books, the dancers that are talked about here that she danced and pleased are uh, uh, categorized in a sexual way, yeah, that they had that bit of it that pleased the people 
and the way that people dance. You know, the dances that please people today are very interesting. People who might dance proper may not please a crowd. And we see it even on social media or even in on, on the TV that when people turn and shake some parts of their body, that is what arouses the crowd. That is what causes them to be excited. That's what it gives you the tag that you're the best dancer because you've done specific or certain strokes that arouse the crowd. And it's so absurd what our nation has turned to, what the world has turned to. And we are the image that is supposed to draw that picture and draw that line and let it be clear. Yeah, because if we conform and start to do that as the world does it, then we are failing. Then we are falling. Yeah, we need to make a stand. How do we dance? Do we take these dances to the pulpits? Do people come to the pulpit and start to dance the same way as those that are dancing for the world or as the world does? So, it is important for us to stand as believers, to stand for the institutions that God has entrusted us with, that we represent them perfectly. What dance should be on the pulpit? What dances should our children learn? What dances should we practically, we are as, as individuals also dance? If we copy that from the world, then we are in trouble because we are bound to pick on habits that are not good. But now, this girl comes up and dances and pleases them. And from what we know and what we've read from history, these were dances that had some sexual attachment to them or strokes to them that pleased the crowd. And them being pleased, having been prompted, verse 8, by her mother, she said, give me here on a platter, the head of John the Baptist. So she comes out to make a, a, a request because Herod says, whatever you want, I'll give to you. Whatever you want, I promise I'll give it to you. Herod makes an oath. Of course, it is well known that these are leaders who keep their, their word. And with all the attempt Herodias has taken to get rid of John the Baptist, here presents an opportunity to finally get rid of him. And she knows that if Herod has said that I'll make sure you get the request because he knows how their functioning is in the kingdom, that if the leader makes an oath and promises to do it, he will do it. He, she also knows that among the guests that have come, are those that Herod would need to know that he's a man who keeps his word. Because if Herod has said, ask for anything yeah, to the daughter of Herodias, and I'll give it to you, if he has made that oath, and everybody who is at the function has had that oath being made, there's no way Herod is going to turn and change his mind because everybody has had. There are people who are there that they made government deals with, and if they hear you changing your position, they'll be like, this is not somebody to trust politically. There are people there who are friends and they have known him for a man of his word and he can't change. Herodias grabs onto that and says, I will stick to that strength that you portray, not only to yourself, but also to the public. And I'll use it for my gain. So 
she calls her daughter and says, come, come. We have a request that we are going to make. We have waited for so long to destroy this man. We have waited for so long to destroy this man who keeps telling us to get out of this scene, who keeps uh, provoking, who keeps speaking wrongly, as per what they think, who keeps rebuking us in this marriage. This is a time to have his head on a platter. So, she tells the daughter, you go and tell Herod that we need the head of John the Baptist on a platter. Now, the things that people do to influence others are unbelievable. This girl that danced had nothing to do with their chaos. This girl that danced, the daughter of Herodias, was not the one who was married. This girl, Herodias, the Herodias' daughter, did not have anything to do with whatever was going on, with the rebuke that was going on that John the Baptist was sending towards Herodias and Herod. She was not part of it, but she's dragged into it, and she let herself be dragged into it, as we shall see. Because people can drag you into their chaos. You're not part of it, and people will drag you and get you into a position to do that which does not concern you. They could not deal with a man who sent rebuke to them, so they will use this girl to claim his life. May God help us understand when we are being used by people. May God give us the grace to understand when we are being used by people for their own selfish interests. Herodias is doing this by selfish interest. She wants to make sure John the Baptist does not rebuke them anymore. John the Baptist is not a problem to them anymore. So she will use anybody, even if it's their own daughter. Anyone can use you. Even those who are closest to you can use you for their own selfish interest. They had to deal with their sin. They dragged their daughter right in it. And although he was grieved, the king commanded it to be given because of his oaths and because of his dinner guests that we talked about. He sent and had John beheaded in the prison. Because he had said it, because of the oath he had made, because of the guests that he had, though he did not want that to happen as Herod, though he was grieved by it, he had to do it. Such men, however evil they might be, and sound and look, they can stand to their word. They can say, I made an oath and I'll keep it. Do you keep your oath? As Christians, do we keep that which we promise? Do we keep our word? Because your word is one of the greatest things, if not the greatest that you should ever hold on to. That if it comes out, it is true. It is not corrupt. It is not influenced in any way. When you say something, you mean it. Herod knows I said something and I'm going to keep it however evil Herod might be. However evil we might categorize Herod, he was a man who keeps his word. And this he had to do. Of course, even with the guests that he had at the party, he could not turn and do 
different. So he sent and had John beheaded in the prison. Now, this killing of John the Baptist without a trial, Herod, of course, broke Jewish laws. However much that he was leading them, they still followed their laws. And they knew that what he's done is not right. And in killing John the Baptist without having him have a trial, he has broken those uh, laws. And of course, this in the future will also determine how Jesus is killed because also Jesus was killed without a fair trial. And this is just setting precedent by what they do with John, that even for Jesus, they will go on and do it. Beheading that which they did was not a punishment that was that was approved by the Jews. And in their law, they did not approve killing by beheading. And it's no wonder that Herod's conscience was unsettled by what he had done. Yeah, He did something that was not right, not in the law. He did not want to do it. So he was always unsettled. And that's why he, he's attributing Jesus' miraculous power to John. He's saying, I think he has come back to life to haunt me because of what I did. As he, might, we, he, he says while we are starting this chapter 14. Yeah? I think what he did and the things he did and the way he carried himself through all this event bothered him over time. You've broken laws. You've beheaded. They do not allow beheading in Jewish law. And you've killed an innocent man, as you might know, that he was always speaking the truth. And that taunts him to start to refer that probably John the Baptist is back to life. But hey, they behead John the Baptist in the prison. And his head was brought on a platter and given to the girl. And she brought it to her mother. Now, just imagine a young girl. She was not part of your trouble. She's not the one who got married to the king. She's not part and pass of whatever you are going through, the rebuke that you're going. And now, young as she is, she has to carry a platter with the head of a prophet. She has to carry a platter with the head of a prophet, with blood flowing, and she takes it to her mother. Some of the things that we do and make our children see are not right. How does a girl, young as she is, go through such an experience? What do you expect her life is going to be after that? After all that you've done, because of your selfish interests, think about the repercussions and the things that that is going to bring to somebody else. This is a young girl. She's carrying a platter with a head and blood is flowing. And all that mess, bringing it to you to say, I have fulfilled your selfish interest. That is what this girl was doing. And it was caused by her own parent. And may God give us the grace that we are not the type that will do anything to please ourselves. Even if it means hurting the life of the other. This girl, that image in her head cannot get out. And we know the fact that our mental health is important. There are some experiences that you go through and you cannot erase them. There is no way this girl, Salome, can erase that from her head, what she did. But it was caused by the person 
who cared most about her or who should be regarded as the one who must have had the most care. And there are always consequences for that which you've done. She's the one who asked for the head. She's the one who made the request, however much it was influenced. So she's part and parcel of what consequences of this is. When you read through history and what happened later on, these Herod, Herodias, their daughters, well, Salome, they are expelled at one point. They are out of power and they are out there walking and uh, trying to find refuge. And they couldn't. And the story tells that on one day, walking on an icy, uh, frozen place, sea, that the sea that was frozen, as this girl Salome is dancing on it, cracks and she slides through it and her head was also cut by the ice. Of course, those are stories in books of history that you might read. You may not have clear proof about what they say, but whoever wrote it also might have been trying to portray the picture of what happens to you that you always reap what you sow. And we are given that picture that Salome dies in a way that is equal with her head being cut off. But whatever this is, she was placed in a place that she did not belong by influence of those with selfish interests and she paid the price with it. And just like that, the prophet was dead and his disciples came and took away the body and buried it and they went and reported to Jesus and told him, the man who baptized you has been killed. He's been slain. Why did John the Baptist die? Because he spoke the truth. Why was John the Baptist slain? Because he came out and stood by his word and spoke to Herod and Herodias and told them, what you're doing is wrong. Christians, we need to get out and stand. We need to go out and speak the truth. Even if it kills you, speak the truth. Even if it means that your life shall be in danger, you've got to speak the truth. John the Baptist had to do that. It was known of him because he's a prophet of Israel and it does not matter what will come. He has to stick to the truth. With the word of God, we stick to the truth. Get out and speak the truth. I don't know what you're going to experience today. I don't know what task is ahead of you today. I don't know if there's something you have to speak today that is going to probably be a rebuke to someone, but you've got to say it. Get out and say it because that's what the people of God do. That's what the servants of God do. They do not fear for their lives, but they speak the truth. And even when they're in prison, they'll keep speaking the truth. They shall not let go of that which God has called them to do. Just like that. Herod killed John the Baptist by the order of the girl. And there his life is ended. But it does not matter because he's stuck to his ministry. And may God give us the grace to do that as well. Seek to the truth. Father, we thank you for your word. And we pray that you help us walk for you. We pray that you help us do that to you, what you want us to do, that we may not fear, 
but always stand for your word. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for our study today. We believe that the world of God is alive and new each day. Open your heart and let God speak to you. You can also access our teachings through our Podbean channel or reach us through our website, BibleInDepth.com. Join us every morning at 7 a.m. for our morning devotion through the Bible from Monday till Friday. We are always live on air in prayer and studying scripture with Alex Sevaiga. Please join us every morning and start your day in the presence of God and learning His Word.